0: Well, how many can say amen to that? I believe in Jesus. Come on, give him a big hand. He is worthy of our praise. Give your neighbor a high five and say, hope you're staying warm. It's cold outside. Hey, I'm thrilled you came to church today. And thank God we missed that terrible ice storm. I had friends in Dallas, and they said we had to cancel church first time because it was so bad outside. So we appreciate God allowing us not only to be able to have church, but for people to be safe. Praise the Lord. Hey, I want to show you a couple of Christmas pictures here. Has anyone ever been to Garvin Gardens Christmas lights? I see your hands here. Well, let me tell you what. I am the last person in the world that wanted to go see Christmas lights, but I went about five years ago because my wife told me to go. And uh, she said we were going, and I went, and we do it every year now, and it is the coolest Christmas lights I've ever seen in my life. They're just a couple of pictures, not good, I took on my iPhone, but I mean, they've got everything gingerbread men, they've got Christmas trees, they've got everything under the sun, two little girls hiding under there. But I'm telling you what, it takes you an hour and a half to walk through it, about a six or eight foot pathway. It's a, it's a, it's a beautiful garden area. I mean, it is, it is, it, I mean it's beautiful uh, any time of the year, well-manicured. It takes you an hour and a half to walk through it, and some of the most beautiful lights you'll ever see anywhere. I'm telling you, it's worth the trip. You go up to Malvern and kind of go north there. Garvin Gardens is what it's called. But I remember the first year that I went through it, about five years ago, I mean, I was just kind of in awe. And we were having fun climbing around, joking with the kids. We had a little puppy back then. It was so cold, so we put him in my coat, you know, and we'd take turns. You know, I'd give him to the kids when I thought it was time for him to go to the bathroom. And, And it was just a great little experience there. But when I got to the end of it, and they were giving away hot chocolate, it dawned on me something was missing. All the beauty of the lights, I mean, the stars. They had butterflies that would fly through the air, you know, being lit up. But they didn't have a manger of Jesus. No nativity scene, not even one mention of his name. And I realized for an hour and a half I had been entertained by a Christless Christmas. Let me say it again. I was entertained by a Christless Christmas. It's in the world around us today. I don't know how it crept in, but somehow there's a, there's a pressure, there's a push to get Jesus out of Christmas. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk to you about uh, what's happening uh, and maybe give you some thoughts about why it's happening. Some thoughts that are just my own opinion, but, but then I'll give you a number of scriptures. But most importantly, I'm going to talk to you about how you and I, as Christian people, should respond to a world that doesn't understand Christianity and Christ as we do at Christmas time. So let's explore it together. I'm going to start this out with what's called a war on Christmas, a little video with uh, uh, Bill O'Reilly. Take a peek
1: at him and, uh, and we'll go from there. The war on Christmas centralizes. That is the subject of this evening's Talking Points Memo. Well, over the years, we've taken on the role of protecting the federal holiday of Christmas. As you know, there are some Americans who are offended by any reference to Jesus Christ. And that's what the USA celebrates on December 25th, the birth of the baby Jesus president grant signed the holiday into law after congress passed legislation in eighteen seventy acknowledging the country's judeo-christian tradition and so americans officially got the day off from work Now, everything was swell up until about ten years ago when creeping secularism and pressure groups like the a c l u began attacking the christmas holiday they demanded demanded the word christmas be removed from advertising and public displays and many people caved into that so now we have the happy holidays syndrome the absurdity of the situation was brilliantly parodied today in the mallard fillmore cartoon strip by our pal bruce tinsley the following christmas special actually mentions christianity viewer discretion is advised and then there's macy's a company that i generally like because it supports wounded warriors but this year they're touting santa claus who will help you quote with your holiday wish list. So here's my question to Macy's. What holiday is Santa celebrating? Winter solstice? The birthday of a reindeer? What? Good question,
0: Bill. I had a little different uh, interchange with Macy's just yesterday, actually. My wife had gotten a Macy's card for one of the special, you know, buy something 20% off. Anyway, Bill came in November, paid it November 2nd. They paid it in full, and anyway, I get another bill from them, and this time it's for the original, plus $30 because they didn't receive it on time. Anyway, so I called them up, and I said, look, what's the problem here? And I, I wrote the check on November 2nd. She said, well, we didn't post it till the 14th. And I said, well, now, wait, whose problem is that? And she said, oh, okay, well, I'll, I'll take off all the charges. So I said, well, thank you so much, and Merry Christmas. And she just lit up, and she said, Merry Christmas to you. So I took it another step, and I said, well, God bless you. And she said, God bless you too, sir. So I guess they heard Bill O'Reilly, and they were more concerned about money come on than being politically correct. But there is a war on Christmas. And, and let me give you some just things that, uh, that uh, are out there. Uh, Christmas carols, of course, banned in schools. We may have some pockets around us that don't feel that. But across America, Christmas carols are not sung in schools. Nativity scenes. I've got three kids. They have never seen courthouses adorned with nativity scenes like we have here in church. It's almost like this lie, this void of separation of church and state, has taken over for several, several decades now. Uh, I've read stories where Christmas trees were banned in nursing homes. Elderly people, what a wonderful tradition for them. And how many know the Christmas tree is not in the Bible? It is indeed a tradition. But how many know you can see Christ in lots of different things? Nothing wrong with traditions. Anyway, they said no Christmas trees there. Uh, uh, the insane one, kids in some schools cannot wear red and green to school. Even one school that it was their school colors. No red or green. The word Christmas, Christ Mass, means, means uh, the worship of Christ. And that's the problem. The worship of Christ the Messiah, God's anointed one. We've replaced it with winter holiday. The only problem is they've not figured out that holiday, the root of holiday is Holy, Holy Day. I'm sure that'll be coming up soon. Uh, the American Family Association, great group that tries to help stem the tide of secularism, they have what's called a retailer's naughty list. Retailers who don't say Merry Christmas in several, even local stores, Family Dollar, a Foot Locker, a Office Depot, PetSmart, Radio Shack, Victoria's Secret. Several years ago, Walmart's would not allow their cashiers to say Merry Christmas. Some good folks like you and I basically took their goodies back to customer service and said, for 45 minutes, I'll stand in line. But you take this stuff back. If you don't care about the true meaning of Christmas, I'll shop somewhere else. I say praise the Lord to that. The next year, uh, Walmart said this. Uh, We're going to mention Christmas early and often. <laughs> and this, is, uh, this is, shows how insane it is. Texas Governor Perry this year signed a law about six months ago specifically saying that it was okay in school and public places to say and celebrate Christmas. Now the representative that actually was behind voting uh, not voting, but, but, but coming up with the law and its wording was from Frisco. Well, here's what the Frisco ISD and their PTA put out an email. And here's what the email said. They said, the winter party, winter party rules. And among these rules, no reference to Christmas or any other religious holiday, no red or green, no Christmas trees. And here's the epitome of where America is, Wikipedia. Wikipedia is kind of an online encyclopedia. The only problem is its definitions tend to evolve with the times. There's no, you know, revisionism, very easy. Uh, there's no sense of moral absolutes. I mean, you know, in America, that's out the window. But moral absolutes are very much a part of a Christian worldview. Well, here's what they say. Wikipedia defines the true meaning of Christmas. It says this, In pop culture, overt religious references are mostly avoided. And listen now, the true meaning of Christmas is taken to be a sort of introspective and benevolent attitude. In other words, why we celebrate Christmas, other than just retailers making money and the GDP and all that, is so you and I will be more introspective and we will be more benevolent. Well, let me tell you, friends, there's more to Christmas than that. Let me take just a minute or two to try to give you some opinion for how this filtered into our culture, and then I want to give you a lot of Bible verses about what the Bible might say to it. Why does the world want to take Christ out of Christmas? I think I have a simple, just bottom-line answer. It's this. They don't want Jesus or the Bible to be a part of our society. It's no more complicated than that. Whatever they may say, I mean, they may talk about tolerance and they may talk about equality and all these things. But the bottom line is they want to be tolerant of everyone but Jesus. They want equal time for everybody but Jesus. And, and they just don't want Him or his, uh, or, or his Word to be a part of our society. Uh, Many teachers and professors, public school textbooks and public education teach that there is no God. All religions are the same, many ways up the mountain. Jesus said, I am the way, definite article, the way, the the truth and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. So there is a distinction about Christianity, but Jesus is taboo in public education. Uh, They don't want God or the Bible telling them what to do. That's kind of bottom line. There's more than just symbolism when the Ten Commandments were taking off the walls of our schools, when lawsuits are filed against local county governments about Ten Commandments. It's more than just symbolism there. It's more than just equality and fairness. Basically, if there's not a God they don't want him telling him what to do. If there is one, we want to do what we want to do. It's kind of the spirit of America today. Uh, We certainly don't want prayer to go on, and if prayer goes on, and if it's mentioned in Jesus' name, in many, many occasions, lawsuits will be threatened. At the same time, it's an irony. In our own Congress, our own Congress has a chaplain paid for by taxpayer funds. Every session they begin Congress, they open with prayer. Uh, The Supreme Court's crier says, God bless this honorable court. And the Supreme Court, who's trying now two cases on religious freedom, guess who is in the room with them? Moses and the Ten Commandments are written down. So it's kind of a a craziness going on in America today as we're sorting ourselves through this. One big thing that's at the root of this is evolution. Charles Darwin, 1859, wrote a book, The Origin of Species. And what it was, basically, was a way to explain life without God. Now, let me say it again, because... Everyone in this room hears the word of evolution. Uh, uh, it's not even a conversation in schools anymore. They don't want intelligent design or anything with God. It was the theory of evolution, and now it's evolved into the fact of evolution, and anyone that disagrees is to be silenced. That's kind of how it works. But here's e- evolution replaced Genesis 1.1. Genesis 1.1 said, say it with me, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So in the beginning, which means when time began and there was nothing here, which you can't comprehend, God was preexistent. God created everything that's here as opposed to something coming out of the primal ooze for no reason that evolved into what you see sitting next to you. Now, you may think that that's logical, but it is, it, that's a stretch for me. It takes more faith to believe that than it does that there and is an intelligent creator that is not just creating chaos. Listen, most systems if left to themselves evolve into chaos, but somehow there is order in the world that is around us. Um, uh, Genesis 1.1, uh, the evolutionist says, nothing created everything for no eternal purpose. And I'll suggest to you because children are taught that there is no purpose to life, there's no value of life. That's why we murder so easily on the streets of our cities today. That's why we steal and rob. That's why the knockout game is played across America today. That's why there's so much violence because people are not, if they could just avoid the police, there's no consequences for what they do. See, not the case, according to the Bible. One day you'll stand before God and give an account for your life. That used to be a part of the fabric of our society, but it's no longer here. It takes more faith to believe that nothing created everything than it does to believe an intelligent designer, come on, created the the intricacies of what we see all around us. Science has something to do with this too. Science has developed the tools to explain what God does but in the explaining away of how he does it, they've lost the wonder and awe of God. A couple of days ago on that hot day we had before these cold days, my wife and I went to this little new barbecue place on State Line. You know, they drive the truck up, pretty primo place there. Anyway, we're sitting outside, it's no wind, and it's about 60-something degrees. So we're just sitting, and the sun is just warming us. Come on. Now, how is it that the sun can just be this perpetual heat? How is it that we say when the sun comes up in the morning, that's really not what's going on. I mean, no, the earth is rotating around the sun. And it's amazing how it rotates in such a way, if it tilted one way or the other, we'd freeze or burn up. If it got further away or closer away, freeze or burn up. Uh, It rotates in such a fashion, come on, that every 24 hours we have daylight and darkness. Every 365 days we have a year. It's just kind of interesting what someone would say all this is kind of came up uh, from nothing for no real purpose, that this earth that we live on is just kind of hanging somewhere. And how it got there, we really are not totally sure, but there was some big bang somewhere. Yeah, I can tell you where the big bang came from. Genesis 1-1, God said, let there be. And there was. But these forces operate, and here's another big one before we move to the Bible. Uh, Government has become God. And what I mean by that, in their attempt to gain power to provide cradle-to-grave care, uh, an all-powerful state has no room for God. Because if you have God, God implies that we obey Him and give an account for our lives. And our founding fathers were willing to do that, but the current state of America and the world is not. So those are just some kind of preacher reflections on what's out there. Let me give you some biblical reasons now of why we have a Christless Christmas. John 15, I think, is the biggest one. Jesus said these words. Jesus said, if the world hates you, Christian, know that it it hated me before it hated you. He goes on to say, verse 21, all these things or the persecution they'll do to you on account of my name, and here's the biggest one, because they do not know him who sent me. So if you want to know what is motivating the administrator of the school or the superintendent or the judge or the governing body that says basically get Christ out of Christmas, it's because they don't know Him. You got up on a cold morning, which if there was a great morning to stay home and miss church, this would have been a great one. Come on. I mean, you just you know put the fire on and, and, and heat up some hot chocolate and just stay in a warm bed and just kind of watch TV. But you got up and came to church, and you did that because you wanted to worship the Christ of this Christmas well, the Bible goes on to say, though, not everybody knows him. 2 Corinthians 4, here's a second reason. In their case, the God of this world, that's Satan, has done what? Blinded, Blinded the mind of the unbeliever. In other words, they can't see. I want you to imagine a, a, a little puppy. Uh, little puppies, when they're born, if you've ever had puppies born in, in, in your home, uh, imagine they're, you know, they're just there. They can't see. If they can find their way to, to mom for a, a meal... Uh, they play with their little brothers and sisters and they go to the bathroom at will but that's about it but something happens when their eyes are open about six weeks or so they figure out where your bedpost is and they go to it and they chew it they figure out where their whole world opens up when they can see they know where your slipper is that used to be warm and cuddly and now they tear it to shreds why is that it's because their eyes have been opened but the scripture says satan somehow blinds people to spiritual things Romans 2 gives us another slant. Can't you see that God's kindness is intended to turn you from sin? Listen to this. But because you are stubborn. stubborn and refuse to turn from your sin, you're storing up terrible punishment for yourself. So now there's a whole other reason for this. is Some people know it. They understand it. Maybe they were raised in or around it. Maybe they went to Catholic school, whatever the case. But they say, no way, I'm not going that way. Romans 10.3 talks about pride and human arrogance, creating your own religion. For being ignorant of the righteousness of God. Now what that means is righteousness, how many know, we are born unrighteous because of our sin. We're born in trouble. Uh, So what we need is to be right with God because you cannot stand in God's presence as an unholy or unrighteous person. So the quest of every religion is how to get right with God. The distinction of Christianity is that only coming through Christ, because only Christ was a perfect sacrifice that paid the penalty for sin. See, other, other religions want you to involve into some, some form of perfection. They want you to work your way into heaven, but Christianity says you can't get there on your only good works. God can make you righteous when you put your faith in Christ. But these folks seek to establish their own righteousness, and they don't submit to God's. Here's the last one. It's about the influence of the Antichrist. The coming of the lawless one is by the activity of Satan. The lawless one is the Antichrist. With all wicked deception, deception for those who are perishing. And why are they perishing and deceived? Because they refuse to love the truth and be saved. See, when Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, truth and the life, no man comes to the Father but by me, many people simply say, no way. Well, because they reject the truth to be saved, God sends them delusion, and they believe a lie. So here's the progression: rejecting God's truth, then you become deceived, and you believe a lie. And I suggest to you, in these five passages, it paints a spiritual picture of why there's a push for a Christless Christmas. Uh, they hate Him, they because they don't know Him. Their minds are blinded. They are stubborn. They are ignorant and prideful of God's righteousness. And lastly, they refuse the truth, and deception takes over their lives. Now, how are we different today as Christians in this room? Christians want Christ in Christmas for a very simple reason. 1 Peter 1.8 says this, and I love this scripture. Though you have not seen Him, though you've not seen Jesus, you love Him. Though you don't see Him, you believe in Him, and you rejoice with joy that is unexpressible. So what, what does that mean? It means that we know God because God has opened our eyes. We're like that little puppy, but it's not at six weeks. We're like the little puppy who, when we came to a place in our lives and realized the weight of our sin and our need for a Savior, when we said yes to God, God opened our eyes spiritually. And and that phrase today that says, we don't know, we've not seen Him, but we love Him, Do you know that today across the world in countries where it's illegal to be a Christian that you'll lose your life? I dare say that today because you know there's more people being martyred in the world today than there were in the biblical era. It's true. Tens of thousands of people, some believe upwards of 200,000 Christians every year, lose their lives. If you're in a Muslim country, buddy, it's tough. Today, you could be in a Muslim home, you and your family. You could have just had your little Bible study with your friends. Someone comes in, a mob comes in, and they say, if you don't deny Jesus Christ, we'll take your life. They've never seen Him, but they love Him, and they believe in Christ because God has revealed Himself on the inside. That's what makes us different, and that's why we know you, it is an oxymoron to have Christmas without Christ. Come on, give him a big hand. Jesus is worthy of our praise. Now, uh, let me take the last few minutes in, in, in this part of the message. How should we respond to a world that wants a Christless Christmas? Do we just shut the door on them and avoid them and say the H-E-double with you? I mean, forget you? Do we fight? Do we argue? You know, what do we do? How do we relate to this world? That Because it's just looking for some validation for what they believe. I want to give you a scripture as the basis of this, and then give you three simple words you can take with you. The first word is caring, caring for people. The second word is compassion, compassion for people. And lastly, conversion. Endeavor to convert people. Let's start first with the scripture. Matthew 5 14, Jesus said these words to us. He said, You are the Now think about that. You are the light of the world. If all this room, if every light was turned out except the star over that manger, you could still see and you would still be drawn there in the darkness. If I told you, I said, there's a fire in the building, the only way out is through this door over here, and everything is dark, but there's a light over here, you would be drawn to the light, and you would go right out the door. Jesus said, you're the light in a dark world. And then he uh, likens us to a city. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. If you're going through Little Rock, and I guess it's, what, 430 or 440-something, that kind of is the loop that cuts across. If you're going down that road, just before you pass the Arkansas River... If you look up on that bluff, there's some of the most beautiful houses that are up there. And you cannot miss them when you go by. And that's what Jesus said. Your life should be like that. No one should be able to miss God because, because having been around you, they see Christ. They hear about Christ. They see a life that's lived differently. They see people that are not stingy, but, but when they realize it, they begin to share. And they're generous. They care about each other. I'm so proud to have a church of the diversity that's here. White people, black people, Hispanic people, Oriental people. Uh, Why is that? It's because we love a common Savior. We don't hate each other because of what somebody did to our race, you know, in the past. We're living for the present. Come on, and we're one in Christ. You see, it's the Christ, the King, that draws us together. But you're the light of the world. The town cannot be hidden. And now, neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl... But they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, what does that mean? The homes that they live in were typically one-room homes. It was not, you know, homes like we're privileged to live in, multiple rooms, many of which we don't use at times. But, but to light that room, what they would do is, there was, if you can imagine a board protruding from the wall, and it had an indentation, and it would hold a candle... Not like a Hobby Lobby candle, but these candles were typically made out of, of some clay-baked material, and they would pour in tallow or some, something that would burn, and they'd put a wick in it, and you would light that wick. You'd pull out your big lighter, okay? You'd light that, and then you could see in the house. You could figure out where the, uh, where the TV flipper was when you turned the light on. You understand what I'm saying? That's my only joke, okay? I realize they didn't have TVs back then. But you could see to live, and that's what Jesus is saying. And the last thing you do is put, a, is put something, a bowl on top of that to squelch the light. No, you want everyone to see because of the way you're living. And now it gets personal in the same way, let your light shine before others so they'll see your good deeds and do what? Glorify your Father into heaven. It's like we're a mirror for them to look at us and the reflection, they see Christ. A light of our life, and light manifests like this. Uh, let's say you're at work and you're trying to figure out how you're going to get ahead and somebody proposes stealing something from the government or somebody else. And you say, you know what, I don't think we should do that. Uh, well, don't you do it? Don't you? No, don't you, uh, don't you uh, uh, just add a few miles to your expense report and all that? No, I, I really try to be honest. Well, man, you can make more money. I know, but I just have peace because I feel God's pleased with me when I'm doing the right thing. Not judging them for what they do, but living right before people. I mean, just simple things like, like, you know, you've got a big sticker on your car, honk if you love Jesus, and somebody's trying to get out on Richmond Road, and you're just intent, you're not going to let them out, you're going to get as close to the other car as you can, bless God. Hell, that's not a light. But when you stop and let two or three people out, then the people behind you blow the horn at you. I'm just talking about the way that you live random acts of kindness. You know that you are caring for people, you're nice to people, you're just you're a courteous person. Uh, but a light uh, is like remember the old ships and in, in, in the sea when they used to have lighthouses instead of GPS, well the sea is dark, the waves are doing like that, it's foggy, but they see the lighthouse and they know where their harbor is. When I was a boy, uh, about 16 or so, I was raised in in Mississippi on a little farm and and, and I loved the outdoors, loved to hunt. And it was some weather came in like we had the last few days. Uh, sleeting, you know, raining, uh, foggy, perfect duck hunting weather. All the duck hunters said, yeah, yeah, everybody else says you're insane. Well, a little bit. But uh, anyway, we, uh, I, 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 it was getting dark. Uh, ducks were flying around, and I had gotten a little lost. You know, you can get lost in the woods. I didn't know, I didn't know where to go, and I was panicking because it was getting dark, and it was getting real cold, too cold to be outside. So I climbed up a tree. Now, I was 16. I could climb like a squirrel. I could still probably outclimb most of you today. But anyway, I climbed up that tree, and when I got near the top, I could look to the barn where the cows and everything were, and I could see a light. And I knew exactly which way to go because the light showed me there. And that's what Jesus is saying. That's the way I want you to be in the world. Don't withdraw from people that don't know Christ. Don't get in arguments and fights with them, but our intent is to be a light of Christ to draw them into the joy that we have. Philippians 2.15 says this, You are living with crooked and mean people all around you, but among whom you shine like what? Stars. Stars in a dark world. Now let me give you these three things, very practical things, about how you can be a light. And the first one is it stems from an attitude of your heart, an attitude that cares about people. One of the businessmen in our church, when the Philippines, you know, had that big crisis, he said, I'm going to dedicate an afternoon of sales, and uh, I'm going to give that money to help those folks that are over there. I mean, that's a good thing. Why do you do that? Because you care about people you've not even met. Listen to the words of Paul. He told his son in the faith, Timothy, how to relate to people that are antagonistic towards the Christian message. Here's what he said. He said, don't get involved in arguments that just start fights. And that doesn't mean you can't debate. That doesn't mean that you can't dialogue. But the object is not just to win the argument. Don't get in arguments that start fights, but be what? Patient Patient with difficult people. Now, I know they probably need slapping. Come on, but it's not your job to slap them. Scripture says, be patient with them. And notice, gently instruct those who oppose the truth. Perhaps God will change their hearts and they'll learn the truth. Isn't that exactly what we're looking to happen in life? I can't change somebody's heart. I can give you gospel facts all day long. But until God reveals himself to you, come on. The Bible says we're spiritually blinded until Christ pulls away. Come on. And that's what happens when you're drawn to God. Many of you in this room today, I really believe, you feel like a light is being turned on. You feel like your eyes are being opened and God seems a little bit more real. That's how it works. And then we say yes to Him, but God touches our hearts. Verse 26 is pretty amazing. Then they're going to come to their senses and escape from... Isn't that odd that there is a real spiritual entity called Satan, the devil, the accuser, the devourer, and what he does is he wants to blind people they have been held captive by him to do whatever he wants. Isn't it just possible that there's a real Antichrist spirit in the world today? That there's a real demonic presence just trying to get Christ out of Christmas? Yeah. And he's using unsuspecting people in different places of power to say, no Christ in Christmas. Our job, friends, is to be bold and listen to this, speak the truth in love. The worst thing I can do for my fellow man is put a basket, uh, put a bowl over my light and let there be darkness. God wants me to let my light shine before people, come on, so they can see Christ and they need to hear it. They need to hear it in the classroom. They need to hear it at the workplace. They need to hear it in Walmart. Come on. They need to hear it everywhere we go. Give Jesus a big hand today. He's, He's the one that's worthy. Let me give you another one that's very near the heart of God you know God cares very much about needy people. You say, well, why didn't He do something about the poor? He wants to do it through us. I want you to hear this just a moment. How many know, in the Garden of Eden, before the fall of man and sin, there was not all this craziness. There weren't typhoons. There weren't, you know, ice storms that killed people. And there weren't death. The same thing, it's not in heaven. But in this period of time, when sin is in the world, that's why we've got this junk. But listen to what Jesus said. And one of the things of the fall is poverty and and people in need. Matthew 25 is a picture. And I want you to imagine one day that one day life on this earth will be no more. One day there will be this great throne, and Christ himself will be seated on the throne. And all of humanity that's ever lived will be spread out before him. Billions upon billions of people. And they'll be divided in two groups. But the groups won't be divided by A through M over here, N through Z over here. Here's what will divide them. Jesus Christ said these words. The king said to those on his right hand, Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. In other words, when God made this place, He was preparing for you and I to live with Him for all eternity. And these are the people that made it. The first thing Jesus said was I, was, I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. Isn't that odd? Now that's not advocating a works-based salvation. But what it's simply saying is this. Those that truly know Christ do good works. And those that truly know Christ help the poor and needy. He, Jesus said, I was thirsty, you gave me drink. I was a stranger, you somehow took care of me. I needed the coat in your closet for the guy that was cold. And you put it in the basket. I would hate to go to heaven with that coat hanging up in the closet. Now look, nothing's wrong with things, but I'm just telling you, at some point, we've got to learn to do more of this than that. Just a thought. I was sick. You looked after me. I was in prison. You came to visit me. I dare say if it was written today, it would say, I had AIDS and you cared for me. As I look back over the history of this church, one of the things I am most proud of, one of our members had a brother that was dying with AIDS. He'd been in a homosexual relationship for a number of years. Uh, He loved this guy. I could tell deeply. And mom and brother asked me to come to their home and talk to their brother. Very, very drugged up. He could just barely have conversation. And, and, and we would talk, and I, and I just began to tell him how much Jesus loved him. And he needed to remember the God of his childhood. And he'd say, well, what about, I don't know what his name was, Bob. What about Bob? I said, we're not worried about Bob today. We're worried about Jesus. I'm worried about you turning your life back to Christ and letting Christ be in the center of your life. Well, I didn't think anything happened. We prayed, and I left. uh, And and two weeks later, he left Dallas, and he he left his lifestyle, and he moved back home with Mom and Dad. Now, this guy had AIDS, and you could tell it when you looked at him. I have never seen a person receive as much love from the church as I have that guy. I don't know if you remember if you were here, but we baptized him in water. We had to help him. We had to pick him up and put him in the water. And after he was here a couple years, he went to be with Jesus. That's what Jesus is looking for. Come on, among his people. That's what he's looking for. But it has problems. We've got somebody bringing in a couple, bus, a couple van loads of people that are homeless now. It has a set of unique problems that go along with that. There's kids that are wandering in after school because they don't have anything to eat and showing up on a Wednesday night. These things have problems, but somehow the church works through the problems. Are you with me? Somehow the church sees people and finds a way. To love people in spite of what's going on. Anyway, when all this is over, Jesus said, uh, uh, Jesus, the people said, Well, Jesus, when did we see you, that you were in prison or sick or hungry? And he said this amazing statement. Jesus said, Truly, I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these, you did it for me. And can I tell you, compassion should, should define us in a world where there's a Christless Christmas. I want them to show you some of the pictures we showed you earlier. These were some of the outreaches let 's just keep going until we see some people. These are some of the outreaches we did and, and I want you to think now this happens at Christmas, but we 've got people that minister in in nursing homes every week we 've got people that feed in the homeless shelter people that go to the jails, these very places Christ talked about. But I wonder if uh, uh, we'll keep going. I forget the bike she didn 't need a bike but look 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 at yeah, how about that lady right there? I wonder if anyone else came to visit her. I don't know. She could have family there all the time, but they tell me in nursing homes, lots of people never have anybody that come to see them. How do you think it made her feel when some people that she didn't even know, not because they had to, but because compassion in their heart just said, let's get together and let's just go bless somebody. Don't you think it made a difference in her life? I bet you she thought, gosh, it just seems like yesterday and I was a teenager like you guys. And here y'all come to see me. And she probably even wondered, what's these white kids doing in my room? <laughs> keep going. Look at that lady in that red with the oxygen. Does she look desperate to you? And I think her desperation and her need is not just for what's in that box. Maybe it's for somebody that cares for more what the nurse can give. Keep going. We do. A, 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 a keep going. I, I want to look at the one of, the, of, the, of our truck. Yeah, Uh, we do something every Thursday, Pastor Mike and takes a team of people, and they've been going to a housing complex in, in South Texarkana, and they do what amounts to like a sidewalk Sunday school. Where this is our, this, if you wonder what the truck with the bomb on it is down there, okay, we're not trying to blow up the world, but it's just an attention getter, and it's just full of stuff. You know, it's got a TV, it's got a sound system. They drop out the stage, they put tarps on the ground, and kids and their parents just come. They have some fun, they feed them, and they talk about Jesus, and they're learning about the Word of God. that's where we'll go. These are the places that we'll go in this holiday season. That's why we're talking to you, and I'm encouraging you to do something to let compassion rise in your heart for people. Come on, friends, because you know it'll be life-changing. Give the Lord a big hand today. I'm just about done. Let me give you my last scripture. It's Acts 26. Not only must we care, not only must we show compassion, but we must seek to convert those that don't know Christ. Now, when I say seek to convert them, that doesn't mean that I can talk somebody into heaven. But what it means is God can be a vehicle to use me to tell somebody about Christ. I'm here today because a Gideon found me as a 19-year-old, put a Bible in my hand, and told me Jesus Christ could change my life. And the Bible and the Holy Spirit did the rest. Acts 26, an interesting passage. Paul the Apostle has been placed, he's on trial because the Jews wanted to kill him and they're making up stuff about him and now he's made his way to a guy named King Agrippa. And Agrippa is like Governor Perry or he's the governor of Arkansas so he's pretty high up the food chain there and how many know you want to be nice to those people because they've got the power to throw you in jail. Well what happens Paul has been doing nothing but sharing his Christian testimony to these to King Agrippa uh, for the last let's say 30 minutes and Agrippa says these words he says, do you think that in such a short time of, of talking that you can persuade me to be a Christian? And here's what Paul said. He said, short time or long, I pray to God that not only you, but all who are listening to me today may become what I am except for these chains. He goes on to say, "Well, and, and what does that mean? That means now Paul has got shackles on. It's like you know he's got the little change and he's kind of walking like this. And he goes up and Agrippa says he's standing before him in his throne. And he talks about the heavenly vision, how Jesus has changed his life, how Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament. He says, King Jesus said, "I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me, because Jesus is the one that gave his life for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. Whoever believes in him won't perish but have everlasting life." The Wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, sir, is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And the guy said, wait a second. He said, are you going to talk me into this Christian stuff? Oh, I sure wish I could. Because I don't want you to go to a Christless eternity. I want you to be able to experience the Christ of Christmas. Come on. I want you to be born again. I want to see that you're saved. And can I tell you, friends, that's the same commission that's on you and I as believers today. Because everybody will face eternity with Christ Or without him, heaven and hell are real friends, and you and I, come on, may hold the difference in a person's eternal soul. So I'll tell you what: how we should respond is not just get mad at the Christless Christmas, not just file complaints and send emails, but somehow you and I should be determined to let our light shine, and in shining our light, we should care for people. Come on, we should show compassion. And we should seek to convert them because there is no such thing as a Christless Christmas. And when they come to know Jesus, they'll realize it. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Let me close with a little short Charlie Brown video. It's kind of classic, it's been playing ever since I was a kid. But it's about the real meaning of Christmas. And I think you'll enjoy this. And then we'll close in prayer. We're back
1: boy are you stupid charlie brown what kind of a tree is that you are supposed to get a good tree can't you even tell a good tree from a poor tree i told you we'd goof it up he's not the kind you can depend on to do anything right you're hopeless charlie brown completely hopeless rats You've been dumb before, Charlie Brown, but this time, you really did it. What a tree! <laughs>
0: I guess you were right, Linus. I shouldn't have picked this little tree. Everything
1: I do turns into a disaster. I guess I really don't know what Christmas is all about. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men.
0: That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. Pretty smart for a guy with a baby blanket and his thumb in his mouth, huh? <laughs> We're gonna close in prayer today. I want to ask you to stand to your feet with me. And I just wonder, we're going to sing sing a last song, and if you might just take a minute and say this, Lord, what are you saying to me in this message? What are you saying to me? You know, coming to church is not just a tradition or a duty, but it's a chance for God to speak to you. It's a chance for there to be a voice within my voice. It's a chance to somehow take maybe an abstract or faraway Bible and make it very near. And I wonder what God may be saying. Listen to his voice. Pastor, would you sing? I give you my heart,
1: I give you my soul. I live for you
0: alone. Every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake, I'm praying, Lord, I have you in me. Lord, I give you my heart, I give you my soul,
1: I live for you alone, every breath that I take, every moment I'm awake,
0: I pray, Lord, i have your way. Heavenly Father, I know I need to ask you to forgive me for being stingy, and I know that I want to be more of a generous person. For all of us in the room today, Lord, we want to be a light. Every person in this room deep down knows that that's what it's all about, and I want to ask you to help us live a kind of life that would make you proud. We don't want to be a hypocrite that says one thing and lives another, so help us take a step up. There's some things maybe we need to quit and some things we need to start. Because when we light that candle, people are watching. And we want them to see a mirror in our life of Christ. Toward today, I want to pray that you would just give us a care for people like maybe we've never had before. Would you just put your hand on your heart and say, God, would you change me on the inside? Sometimes people are a bother to me. Sometimes they get in the way. Sometimes I'm just angry at them. Sometimes they get mad at the way they act. But would you help me do what that scripture said is to be gentle, to be someone that's eager to teach in the hopes that you might change their heart. And God, might I have the privilege, Lord, in this Christmas season to see several people come to Christ. Might I be as deliberate as Paul was, sharing my testimony and my faith. Might I pass out those cards, and if I didn't get one, I'll get some more in the lobby. And, and if I got some, maybe I need some more. But, but, but I want to take some steps to reach people for Christ. Lord, I just ask you to help me. For all of us, Lord, we probably know people that are away from God. We're going to take just a minute and pray that you show us how to reach them, people that are in our immediate circle. But we welcome you today. We say thank you, Lord, and we just say that we love you. And we realize that Jesus indeed is the reason that we're celebrating Christmas. In Jesus' name.